Hello, everyone, and welcome to day three of Utah RemoteCon. I'm super excited about our lineup today. We have a lot of good panels coming up for you. So um, put on some comfy clothes, get some popcorn or something, and get comfy because I hope you hang out with us all night. Before we get started with our first panel, bad ass female video game characters, um, we just want to remind everyone that we're asking for dona donations for the American Cancer Society. I think we've all had someone that we love, know or loved and affected by cancer. So um, we just wanted to give back helps out that um, foundation. If you can, please donate. If you can't, please share, please watch, please um, be involved in our community. So um, we're also trying to, we're like less than $200 away from hitting our 2K mark, our $2,000 mark for donations. So yeah, definitely if you can donate, It'd be fantastic to hit that tonight. And if we do, we're, one, we're gonna do a surprise giveaway at the end of the night as well. So the link for donating is in um, all the descriptions of the panels tonight. It's also going to be in a ticker when I figure out how to do that better. So it'll be there eventually. <laughs> um, givebutter.com slash Utah Remote Con 2020. All right. We're gonna add in our panelists for tonight so that we can get started with this panel. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited for tonight. Um, so I'm gonna let everyone introduce ourselves. I'm gonna start with um, the Brackus. And I Zabricus. know I'm, yes, Zabricus. I knew I was gonna say it wrong. I will try so hard. Um, we're gonna have you introduce us because I don't know you as well as I know I know these guys pretty well. So, no worries, uh, no worries. Uh, so I'm Zabricus, or you can just call me Zab. It's it's a lot easier. Um, you could also call me Whitney. Um, but I a little bit about myself. I am a Twitch partner, and I stream Magic the Gathering Arena on Twitch uh, several times a week. Um, and I stream for the uh, esports team Fade to Karma. And I'm just a video game enthusiast in general. And yeah, I, I don't know what else you want to know. No, that's great. We're so excited to have you on our panel. Happy to be here. Yay. So, um, <laughs> and if you want to plug your like Instagram or any of your things too, feel free to do that. Sure. I'm on all the social medias at Zabracus, Z-A-B-R-A-C-U-S. Perfect. All right, Lindsay, let's do you next. Um, I am part of Cutscenes and Cupcakes, the podcast, which is about video games and desserts. What's better? You tell me. Um, and I am a close friend of everyone here, even you, Zab. And <laughs> it's official. And um, yeah, I that's pretty much all I've got. If you guys want to find Cutscenes and Cupcakes, you can look any pretty much any podcast platform we're available and um, I'll let you guys do the social med links. <laughs> All right, up to Erica. That's me, um, I'm Erica. I am with of Dyson Dames. So I also go by Onduin. Uh, what we do is we play video games, but we also showcase different TTRPGs from different um, uh, indie creators, so we can kind of get their get their word out there, get their games more showcased. So go ahead and check us out for some really cool stuff. We're doing a uh, a, a really cool little homebrew called uh, Tabletop Treasure Hunters, where we're all in like these little groups and we all compete for gold and glory. And I play a, a cat folk named Leaf and he's just adorable. That's so cool. <laughs> All right, on to you, Marley. I finally learned that it's off how to do the opposite without thinking about it. <laughs> okay, <Marley>. um, <laughs> I am another uh, third of Cutscenes and Cupcakes, the podcast. I'm also a part of the Stolen Droids podcast, and I really like playing video games, and I care a lot about them. Um, just you guys wait until my little bio later. Um, I'm really excited to share it. So, um, do you want, I, I'll say, so we, Cutscenes and Cupcakes, we're, um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, and YouTube. Goodness, we're on, like, everything, and of course, everywhere that you listen to podcasts. And I'm their number one fan. 
She is. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> awesome. And I'm Steph. I'm the last third of Cutscenes and Cupcakes. I'm the funny one. I will make that joke every panel. Don't worry. <laughs> as you know, as you heard from them, um, we're a podcast about video games. I'm the noob of the group because I did not grow up playing video games, but I'm very excited to be part of this community now. So yay. Um, we are so excited to talk about like badass, badass women in video games. We're excited that we have people have badass women to talk about. Um, so we're going to start off. We each chose um, a video game character, female, obviously, that we wanted to kind of highlight and do a little bio on. So we're going to start with that. Um, the first person up on the ticket for tonight is Erica. Hi. Hey. So, so here's all my notes. Only <laughs> <laughs> one of the pages, not both. It's okay. Um, so I chose uh, Sadie Adler from Red Dead Redemption 2. Yay! And she is just the the more videos I watched about her and like the in-depth character things, I just I grew to love her more. So at the spoiler warning, duh. At I the very add that at the top, there will be lots of spoilers. Right? That's gonna be Can we add like a off. banner or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So at the very beginning of the game, we don't we don't see much about Sadie. We come into her life almost quite literally as it's going up in flames. Screw you, Micah. Um, <laughs> and she's just this. Um, she kind of comes across because uh, I wrote it down. Um, her life's her life's burning down. She's fragile and afraid but she's not helpless. She tries to fight everybody that's coming to help her because she, her husband was just murdered. Everything was taken away from her. Um, she eventually lets Dutch and Arthur calm her down and she goes with them to this gang that really just takes her in. We don't see much of her for a while, but there are some really, really sweet like side little conversations uh, that's had with her character that you just need to play the game to really get to know her and how helpless that she appears, but then just kind of the thing she says is just like, I, I know I'm brave and I know I'm good, but it hurts. So that was really important that she, she went through that because through the progression of the game, um, we finally see her getting mad at the cook because she's like, I am sick and tired of chopping vegetables. I wanna be part of the gang. Arthur, take me with you. Let me, let me do things. My marriage was an equal partnership. I was in the fields. I carried a gun. And yeah. hearing the, their equal partnership was just, just so beautiful. She's like, I'm, I'm ready now, essentially. So she goes with Arthur on a couple of little trips there. They, she uh, like haphazardly um, starts a bit of a gunfight and Arthur really sees like, oh, okay, she's serious, but also I need to call you out on it because you didn't need to do that. Um, so we go through the story um, of seeing her uh, kind of growing obsession with the O'Driscolls who have murdered her family. Um, there's a moment in uh, one of the missions in San Denis where they're, they're in the big house and the O'Driscolls come and they're like, we all know you're in there, we're gonna come and get you. And um, you fight as Arthur and you take everybody down, but in the middle of the fight, if you go down and around the house, you can see Sadie fighting off this small group of O'Driscolls by herself and visibly enjoying it. She says, I didn't want to miss out on the fun. And part of her was helping to protect the gang, but part of it was also, this gang ruined my life and I want to kill them. <laughs> and uh, so we kind of go through all those little things. We kind of see her obsession grow with wanting to um, take it all back. So kind of towards the end, we see, uh, we see Arthur and her go to another house where she's uh she says hey there's there's a she's like the fat man in a beard uh he's mine 
And he's like, okay, whatever. So we clear everybody out. Everything's fine. You go in the house and you see her just over this guy with this knife, just like ready and plunging it in and killing him. It's like, I told you you would see me again. And the sense of relief that she had from the stress of carrying that weight on her shoulders of needing to exact that revenge for herself and watching her slowly kind of go into this progression was was really beautiful in a way because she finally felt that sense of relief and I did it. Now I can kind of live my life. So taking her new character traits that she's kind of accumulated along the way, she becomes the most badass bounty hunter. It is so fun because when you play as uh, as John, I think it's John, I totally forgot his name because I'm so obsessed with Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> it's John. Yeah, yeah, that's right, John Marston. And um, you think about her from the beginning where she kind of uh, was coming off fragile and afraid to them going out bounty hunting and he's kind of, you know, being the gentleman, but she's like, uh, sorry, John, this is, this is my world now. And you can see that she's really taken that to her person. Whereas I'm my own person now. I have this thing that I'm doing and I'm going to do it and no man can stop me. And that's what I loved about that, about her whole character was it not only was exacted upon revenge, but it was simply doing what she was doing for her, taking on these roles that, you know, in the West weren't exactly for women. And she made it for women. She made it for herself. So she was a really good example of um, being the woman of the hour. I can't connect to the Wi-Fi network. You might want to check. The <laughs> Sorry, <that's> <laughs> oh, Siri. today. <laughs> Here's the crap out of me. <laughs> so no more jokes. Um, so kind of taking taking the world on for herself and making a name for herself was just it was just so beautiful. I love her. That's what I was gonna say too. Yeah, being in the Wild West and taking on those roles that aren't like natural for women of that time. Yeah. I love it. I love stories like that. Right. I'm gonna defy the odds. I'm really glad you brought up the, um, not the Saint Denis, but the Rhodes mission where like, she's like fighting with Pearson, the cook. Cause when she goes into the general store and then comes out wearing pants, you're just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so great. Like shirt and you're just like, girl, you look great. Yes. <laughs> oh, so lovely to see the change of clothes. Mm-hmm. My um, favorite part is at the end when like when you're playing as John and you like see Sadie like again for the first time and she's like all decked out in that bounty hunter gear and you're oh, just yeah. like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> you're talking to me. I'm gonna stab you in the hand. This was um from your Wi-Fi, so I just thought that was. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is our panel. Thank you. Well, Thanks, Blake. <laughs> Perfect. Let's move on to Marley. Whew. Okay, you should put that spoiler warning back up again. Yeah. Because there are heavy spoilers for The Last of Us Part Two in my review. Okay, so I'm going to go in, in pretty in-depth here, but I did this, This I'm going to go quick, though. Yeah, you only have five minutes. Hey, I, I timed it. I didn't even time myself, so if I would have timed it, I'll hold okay. you to it. So my notes come from Fandom Wiki and an article called the evolution of Ellie from the Washington post and my own gameplay experience. So this is Ellie from the last of us series. Um, a few things real quick about first, before I start, is my mic okay? Am I too loud again? You're fine. Am I fine? Okay. Okay. A few things about Ellie's personality and skills. So she is very rash, foul mouthed, impulsive and temperamental, but she's also clever and witty. She has great survival instincts. She's resourceful she is enthusiastic about the outside world and she loves collecting things related to her interests, like with music, movies, books, and video games. Um, a few things, a few negative things. She has some monophobia, which is fear of being alone. And um, she also suffers from PTSD from a lot of the tragedies that she has witnessed and experienced. That's um, 
I know, yeah. but she is great with the switchblade, and she also knows her way around firearms and melee weapons. So she's she knows how to get stuff done. Okay, so in a world overrun by zombies or infected, as this game calls them, she gets bit. But weeks pass and she doesn't turn, and it turns out that she's immune. And so um, this 14-year-old girl, they want to get her across the country to a hospital so that they can get a vaccine and blah, blah, blah. So they get this guy named Joel. He's a very rough and gruff man um, who he actually lost his young daughter early on in the pandemic. And he, um, they get Joel to take her across the country. And so that begins like this really epic journey across the United States. And as they get to know each other, Joel really finds himself reminded of his lost daughter as he gets to know Ellie. Um, time passes a lot and they face a lot of danger and adventure and they just form this really great father-daughter relationship along the way. Um, they get to the hospital and long story short, events transpire <laughs> and Ellie survives and like there's no cure that's going to be made and Joel kills everyone in the hospital. So yeah, fun stuff. But we fast forward to the second game, The Last of Us Part Two, and we get to see we get to see a little bit more. Um, years have passed since then, but we kind of get to see things through a series of flashbacks, and we see them still growing close together. They celebrate birthdays, and they go find abandoned museums and go hang out. He also teaches her guitar, um, which is something near and dear to him. Um, we also find out, like, at the hospital, like because he killed all those people and like took her away. Like he kind of lied to her about what happened there. So she gets I mad know. at him. Yeah. <laughs> she gets mad and they have a very strained relationship for a while. And then, so Joel, his past comes back to haunt him when Abby, um, who we'll learn a little bit more about soon. <laughs> um, she, she, her dad was one of the doctors at that hospital who Joel killed. And so she kind of had her own revenge mission and killed him. And so Ellie was like, uh-uh, like, no, I'm not going to take this. And so she sets out on her own revenge mission to hunt down Abby and her friends. And so she, um, she goes along a um, couple states over and, um, you know, because she, she wants, she wants, she lost everything she held dear, the love of her life. And, you know, and, and one of the few things that connected her to Joel um, was, was by playing guitar. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But she feels it's her duty to avenge Joel's death. And she's also tortured by survivor's guilt. Um, she really feels like she has lost her sense of purpose. And she's at a really, really low moment. Um, being alive in this, um, in like in this world, um, it's she's continually like losing this battle against this raging pandemic. And it's one she could have stopped if Joel had not intervened. So she really just feels really a lot of guilt for that and hatred towards um, Joel. But Ellie is fiercely loyal and protective of the people that she loves. She will do anything to uphold that standard. Um, even though many um, kind of later on in the game, even though there are many people who disagree with her decision to go after Abby once more, I, I, I actually find a lot of badassery there. <laughs> I'm using that. I'm using that term because she just wants her family to be safe. She wants herself to be safe. She wants to, she even because she knows that Abby is out there alive somewhere still, and that she, I guess you could say, failed her mission, her first revenge mission. You know, she, she wants to be able to feel that safety and finally find peace from her PTSD. Um, and she thinks that she can find that by finishing things off once and for all. And that really comes at a great cost, like I mentioned before. Um, there's another character named Dina, who's her, her love. Um, and she, she, Dina was kind of that person in her life who gave Ellie hope and hope for like a future happy family. Um, and that's actually what ultimately conflicts with um, with Ellie's other guiding vision, her quest for vengeance. And they just, the tension grows between the two and they realize that those two goals can't exist together. So she takes off again and goes after Abby. And it's, it's a really hard decision. Like a lot of people really hated that decision. I had a hard time with it too, but I also see what Ellie 
needed to do in order um, to ease that pain of um, that she had. Um, Cause this game really is not so much a tale about finding happiness. It's about easing pain and weighing the cost of that quest. And actually um, Neil Druckmann, who's the co-director and writer, he says, while Ellie had to do some horrible things to survive and go on this journey of retribution, it doesn't mean she's a bad person. And it also doesn't mean that she isn't capable of change. So Ellie does what she thinks is best. And so she goes after her. Um, and there's this really crazy confrontation at the end that left Ellie bloody and broken physically and emotionally. And while Joel's death um, provided her some purpose, um, forgiveness ended up giving her freedom. And so Ellie's decision to spare Abby is her way of forgiving Joel through her. And I'm just like getting chills right now just thinking about this because that forget, like I said, that forgiveness and being able to find that, find that for her, it gave her that freedom. So we see, um, we see in the final scenes of the game, um, there's like a flashback cutscene of Ellie talking to Joel. Um, don't worry, I'm wrapping up here. Their relationship had been very distant for quite a while. And she even, she even like blew up at him at a party in front of a bunch of people. Um, Ellie tells him that if she had died on that hospital table that day, then her life would have meant something. So now we understand in hindsight, like this whole game, like she just really just didn't feel like her life meant anything. Um, in one way, it shows why she was willing to risk so much. And we were also led to believe the whole game that Ellie and Joel's last moments were a terrible one, like when she got mad at him at that party. But we learned through that cutscene that Ellie, like she came to Joel and expressed her desire to try and forgive him. And it was actually a really tender moment. Um, and I think for me, it's, it's, it's a moment that makes you feel hopeful. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to think that there's hope in the ending and hope that Ellie is traveling forward to make amends and to make, or to make a new life for herself. Either way, I just want her to like find happiness and peace at last. Like she just needs a big hug. Um, her, her, her life is no longer overshadowed by Joel's death and his lies and also his love. Um, Ellie's faced without a clear future and one without family, but it's one that's all her own. Um, coming back home, like I said, she found like, or she found Dina really is gone. Um, and she also, um, she tries to play guitar one last time, but she finds herself physically unable to. Um, and so, and, and that guitar again was one thing that really connected her to Joel. So she leaves her guitar and everything else behind and moves on and she chooses to let go. And I think right there, like in that moment, I think Ellie is a badass. Very well done, Mark. So, yeah. <laughs> it's well, a really tragic story, but it's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to do Abby from The Last of Us too because I like chaos. Um, Abby, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Abby was a super controversial character, so much so that like people sent the voice actress death threats. Like just at the beginning, I want to say, don't, don't be that person. So terrible. <laughs> characters are not their characters. Yeah. She didn't write the character. She was just the voice of it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think it was a really interesting and like risky, um, risky thing for them to put Abby as a playable, the antagonist as a playable character in the second part of the game. But I think it really paid off because Abby's redemption story is so good. Um, I think we we found out like what happened in Ellie's revenge story and with Marley's um, bio. And I think with Abby's story, you find out what revenge costs you and what it can do to like your spirit and your humanity. So Abby is introduced for all intents and purposes as the antagonist and the villain. One of the first, one of the first, not the very first, but scenes is her being saved from clickers from by Joel and Tommy. And then she turns around and brutally murders him with a golf club while Ellie watches um, it happen. <laughs> like, so terrible. We all knew Joel would probably die, but I don't think anyone knew he would die that way. <laughs> like so gruesomely. 
And so it's established at the very beginning that we are supposed to hate Abby. Um, but then you get to play her in the second half. And I think a lot of people were not thrilled about it. Um, so a little bit about Abby. She is the daughter of um, Jerry Anderson, the firefly doctor who wanted to use Ellie as a means to cure for the infected people. Um, I think in my heart of hearts that he thought he was doing a good thing. He wanted to, in the world that Abby and Ellie lived in, it's a world of destruction. It's a world of like chaos. And although they don't go into the backstory of um, Abby's family, I think it's safe to say that she, like so many other people, probably had her mom taken away from her, her if she had any brothers and sisters taken away from her, whether it be by um, people barbarically not trusting each other and killing each other on site, or whether it's by the infected themselves. So I think that her dad, as well as the fireflies themselves, wanted to take away that entire situation. They thought that what they were doing was a good thing. And so much so that Abby said that if she was in Ellie's position and had the opportunity, she would sacrifice herself for the cause. So then to see her dad, this good man, some of the only families she has, not to mention most of the fireflies, the annihilated by one man for one girl. I think it's obviously started her revenge story. It started this hatred in her heart where she wanted to like have a more normal life. She thought her dad would do that. She thought that by finding this cure, it would make things so much better. And he took that away, not just from her, but from like everybody from the world. So you can see why Joel is such a villain in her story. Um, and then, um, so then she kills Joel, we go on through that. And then we see her friends and family slowly taken away by Ellie. Um, after killing Joel, I don't think Abby got the validation or relief that she was looking for. I think there's still, there was still so much hate and uncertainty and destruction in the world that they lived in that she thought that this would be a solution, killing Joel, it would fill something in her, it would make her feel better about where she's at. And I don't think it gave her any of the relief she was looking for because revenge isn't a plot. Revenge isn't, re revenge just isn't going to feel, make you happier, make you whole, make you a better person. And that's when she starts to turn away from um, her little cult that she's in, the wolves, and tries to help a couple of disenfranchised Seraphite kids, um, Yara and Lev, who are some of the, like, they're very cool characters. Um, she, sorry, I have papers and I'm trying to make sure I'm covering it. <laughs> um, she makes it her goal to try to get all of them out of Seattle and get to Catalina Island where she thinks the fireflies might be, where she thinks that they could start over and have a more normal life. We know that that ultimately doesn't happen. Um, but she wants to live in a, take them, she and herself out of a world where it's kill or be killed, become hardened and ugly so that you won't be hurt by other people. And I think after killing Joel, after seeing her friends and family dead, she realized that the errors, the errors of her way, and she lost everything that was important to her. Um, one of the most compelling parts of the story for me is like, um, about where Marley was talking about at the end, where Yara, or sorry, where um, both Lev and Abby have been hung up on pikes, kind of left for dead. And Abby's coming, or Ellie's coming, sorry, their names are similar. <laughs> Ellie's coming to seek her revenge. And she, um, she cuts Abby down from the pike she's on. And Abby is just the shell of herself. She's small, she hasn't had food. She just is a pitiful part, portion of who she was before. You could barely recognize her. Barely recognizable. Mm -hmm. Super and skinny. And she even sees Ellie and she's just like, you've got to be kidding me. This is where you are. Like, and I think the first thing, the only thing she knows she can do is help Lev, get Lev down, save him, even if it means risking her, like it costs her own life. I think that Abby is the same story as Ellie, but two or three steps ahead of where Ellie is. 
she is the result. She is finding what revenge really does. And it doesn't solve anything. It just makes you a not as great person. It makes you hateful. It makes you not be able to have relationships. Um, Abby gave up her relationship with her boyfriend. She pretty much turned away from everything so she could become a super soldier to kill Joel. And it cost her everything. And so now she's turning her life to try to help others, um, especially in love. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a very, it's a very good story. It's, I don't know. I hope that I express my, <laughs> she just is, she's a badass character. Um, not only does she have an amazing story, I love that she's built differently than most female characters. She has like a huge chest and huge arms. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a result of that, her gameplay was so much fun. Her melee attacks were ridiculous in a good way. <laughs> I also love the fact that she isn't like a moony or romantic character. In fact, it's her boyfriend who wants them to run away together. And she's just like, come on, man, I got work to do. <laughs> and then I love the way that she didn't hide her toughness. She used it um, as a way to protect herself and protect the ones she loves. I just think that she is a badass for using those things that aren't normally feminine to her advantage. I think she's, I think it takes humility and badassery, if you will, to realize that you've made mistakes. And I do think she realized that killing Dole, letting this revenge take over her life. She's 20 years old. She's probably been spending over like five to seven years on this mission to kill Joel. She realizes that it was a mistake and isn't worth it in the end. And I think that that takes a lot of humility and badassery. So Abby, I'm team Abby for sure. It's incredible that Naughty Dog, the developers for the Last of Us series could do this to us where we have like this lovable character of Ellie from the first game. And then all of a sudden we get to see her and another character like these two awesome females separate, but so equal at the same time, like, and they're just hearing their stories. I think it's yeah. incredible. And also like, go Naughty Dog for having two protect female protagonists in your game. It's I true. think that was a controversial um, thing to do, but I think it paid off. Um, Last of Us 2 is really, really good if you haven't played it yet. All right, on to Zabrakis. All right. Um, so the character I chose is Tifa Lockhart, who's a main protagonist in the Final Fantasy VII franchise. Um, I was going to cosplay her tonight, but I ran out of time. I didn't have a chance to get into uh, the costume and everything, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> next time. Next time. <laughs> exactly. But where, where do we even begin on how much of a badass Tifa really is? Um, so she's basically a mother to a little girl, Marlene, uh, de facto, basically. Um, she supports Cloud Stripes, the, act, the main protagonist hero. Uh, she supports his mentally weak side while also dealing with her own trauma. Uh, she manages her own bar. She's an entrepreneur. And she helps manage a eco-terrorist group hell-bent on saving the world from an evil Shinra corporation. And aside from her emotional strength, she's also incredibly physically strong. And in the game, she uses her uh, martial arts skills to beat enemies and everything. So she's basically a jack of all trades. Uh, she's fierce and always ready to go into battle to help protect uh, her community and rescue friends and even people that she's just barely met. She's like, you know what? They're, they're great. Let's go save them too. Uh, but she's also realistic to know when something might be a bad idea and will voice her opinion on such a thing. So she doesn't just always let people run over her. And so she can be the cheerleader and the starfighter all at the same time. Uh, she's been a central and dynamic character in all of the Final Fantasy VII games and the movie. Uh, so Final Fantasy One, which came out, or Final Fantasy VII, which came out on PlayStation One. She was in the Crisis Core series, which came out on PSP. Uh, she was in the Advent Children movie. Uh, she made cameos in the Kingdom Hearts series. Um, and then of course, the, the most recent Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, and unlike a lot of female video game characters, especially, you know, some that came out in the 90s and whatnot, uh, which is when 
Final Fantasy VII first came out. Um, <laughs> she's not relegated to just like healer or support, or she's not there for just mere eye candy. Um, she fights with her fists, and she's one of the strongest characters in the game from start to finish. Uh, she takes care of the bar, Seventh Heaven, uh, in the Sons of Midgar, Midgar, as I said before. And then she helps to plot and take down the Mako reactors and the Shinder Corp itself. Uh, she can also be a charlatan, and she goes by herself to try and take on the biggest mob boss uh, on Wall Market in uh, Midgar. Yeah. Uh, just, just pretending to be one of his brides. And she didn't do this with anyone's permission. She was just like, you know what? I'm going to go take this guy down. Let's do it. Uh, and then when Cloudstripe, so this is where the spoilers start, <laughs> uh, when Cloudstripe gets lost to the live stream uh, later in the game, it's actually Tifa who's the one who pulls him out of that. She basically acts as his um, therapist in a way and talks him out of himself. It's, it's a really weird part of the game. Um, and during that time, the cloud was kind of off in his own little world. Uh, she was taking care of everyone else in the group uh, who had, you know, really low morale because everything was going awry. And, you know, she still just had that can-do attitude and just kept everyone together and like, you know what, we're still going to take down Shinra and save the world. Um, and then when she was young, uh, she actually watched her father be murdered by the Shinra Corp, which triggered her uh, vengeance and desire for the better world and so she left her small town and um, learned how to become a martial artist and take care of herself move to the big city and but despite wanting to seek that vengeance for her father uh, she never let it consume her she always kept the bigger picture of the world um, in mind um, that she never Ellie. Abby and Ellie could have learned from that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she she always went into everything with the, the kind of thought process of wanting to make sure to protect as many people as possible. And that's the that was her drive for the vengeance, was to make the world a better place and not let Shinra continue to ruin other people's lives and completely destroy the world, literally. Um, and so I love, uh, especially love, how more in-depth they made her character in the remake that just came out this year. Uh, we get to see a lot more of her struggles and her strengths. Uh, two particular things that I loved um, about them displaying her uh, physical strength in particular in the game, in the remake, was um, they they had this little pull-up challenge in the gym in Wall Market, and she's the only one that can participate in it. And I don't know about you guys or ladies, but pull-ups are hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that it's like she's the one to take on everyone else in the gym and do these pull-up challenges and win is pretty amazing. And then the second thing is once they're in the Shinra headquarters, she uh, has to be the one that basically does all these crazy acrobatics upon some ceiling lamps and the ceiling itself. Um, I can't like monkey bars, just monkey bars and is literally jumping from chandelier to chandelier to try to get to a special room so that they can actually get through the rest of the Shinra building. And she's the one who volunteers to do it. And she does it uh, because she's the only one who can do it. Um, so I, I love that despite like how sweet and sentimental, attractive and just general peacemaking she is, they, they don't let that be the only thing she is. They let her be a very strong, badass character that can do things that the men can't. Yeah. Um, and she's not afraid to let her feelings known. And she can beat you up all at the same time. Simply Love put, it. she's just a badass. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. I never knew that much about her, so I like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about the other characters, so this is, this is great. <laughs> Very educational. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lynn, why don't you finish up our bios for us? All right. Um, so I actually kept mine generally spoiler-free. Um, yeah. There are some minor spoilers, but I didn't want to get into. <laughs> I didn't want to get into the heavy spoilers because. Um, it's just such a great game and people need to play it. So please play it. Um, I'm doing Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. 
Yay! Yay. Yay. Um, <laughs> so the first word that I think of when I think of Aloy is resilient. Um, from birth, Aloy is cast out of her village and left under the care of her adopted father, Rost. She's given no trial, no jury, and no explanations um, as to why. She uses this as a motivator rather than something to hold her back, and she prepares her whole childhood for the chance to get some answers. Um, after a turn of events lead to the death of Rost, she stays strong and full of purpose. Um, part of that purpose, and this is kind of a theme throughout most of our characters, is revenge. Um, <laughs> but I think that dies down quickly because um, Aloy is very forgiving. Um, which, if you ask me, is a more badass trait than anything because she... It takes so much of you to forgive and put yourself in a in a sense beneath another person um if that makes sense that just for the act of forgiving is taking that like humility to say okay you know maybe you're right maybe you're wrong what you did was wrong but i'm moving past it um anyway she's very forgiving and um isn't motivated by hatred or revenge. Um, she overcomes her anger for the Nora, um, the tribe that cast her out, and eventually comes back in the end to save all their butts um, from yeah, she does. quite a battle. Yeah. And um, Aloy, in addition, lets Olin live. Um, and Olin is the guy who led to Rost's deaths. Um, he led the killers to Rost. Um, Aloy is also assertive. She is strong, but not without kindness or caring. Um, as somebody who struggles with assertiveness, I really look up to that. And she even became a role model to me day to day um, in my communication as I was, you know, just so inspired by her ability to just be assertive and to be strong, yet to always be respectful and to be just caring um, to the people around her. Um, so all of this in Aloy, you know, she, she still has her vulnerabilities. She still struggles with a lot of things. She's still, you know, a normal character, a normal human, because no one wants to read about a character that's, you know, perfect in every way. Aloy still has, you know, her vulnerabilities and her flaws. Um, specifically when you watch her cut scenes with Rost. Um, she goes to Rost's grave and you can talk to him. And those are just such touching scenes and amazing scenes throughout the game of just her expressing what she's doing and how she feels. It kind of gives like a, like a mission summary, I guess, for the player, but it's also checking in with Aloy emotionally when you go do that. Um, so I was really appreciative that they added that into the game. Um, Throughout the story, Aloy goes through so much in regards to her, her identity because she doesn't know who her parents are, um, specifically her mother. And um, she, uh, she struggles with her identity, but she stays the same. She's still the same snarky Aloy, the same, you know, funny, beautiful, and, you know, truth-seeking character. She seeks out truth and answers even when she gets them, even truths that must have been enormously difficult she continues on driven by her curiosity and desire to do good she follows her heart and always fights for the good the hope and the human and eventually the whole of humanity um an interesting thing to me about horizon zero dawn specifically is how much of the story is carried on aloy it is completely her story um she is not just a hollow character or a freezer character, you know, a freezer woman. I can't remember the trope name, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about, where it's just a character to inspire other characters, but it is truly her own story. And I just loved seeing her as a character in that game. Um, she's instantly likable and she's the most interesting and well-developed character in the game, which is how it should be. She's the protagonist. Um, when asked, this is such a good quote, I have to read it. Um, so Aloy comes across a character who has long died um, 
in the game named Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth is asked what, um, what she would have liked in a son or daughter, she says, I would have wanted her to be curious and willful, unstoppable even, but with enough compassion to heal the world just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think Aloy just perfectly exemplifies that person. Um, and I cannot wait I cannot wait to see what they do in the upcoming game because Aloy seems so like in the trailer, she seems so driven and so motivated to save the world. And I'm so excited to watch her do it. I love Aloy so much. It's going to be good. (laughs) Okay. We're running out of time, which is okay. I thought everyone's bios was so good, but I just wanted to give everyone a minute to maybe talk about why they love seeing women. What, uh, like the importance of seeing women in video games. It's not, it's something that I think is becoming more and more common. And it's just something I'm super grateful for. I love, I guess I'm going to go first. Um, Do it. I love video games. It's something that I didn't understand was such a great storytelling medium. And so to see so many games at the beginning of like my video game journey to that were amazing stories, but not to see someone like me or someone that's gone through the same things I've gone through. Um, to be able to have all these like badass females and not just like the love interest or the um, the sister or whatever, to see them have like main stories, be the main character. It's been so cool to me. It helps me. I, I love the other games, but it helps me love video gaming more. I, mm-hmm. I've, just, I've loved seeing um, diverse characters and characters with like truly compelling stories being brought to life. So. Yeah, that reminds me of um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That was one of my big things for playing the game was you can choose between a male or female. And to me, when I have the option, I will obviously choose a female because for me, I can connect with the game a lot more because it's as if it really is me being that person because it's another female. So I'm able to connect with that and play as that badass female Mm -hmm. and I that's I'm really grateful that they're doing that again with uh the next one um I think it's Valhalla is what it's Mm -hmm. called so I am I am absolutely stoked for it to be kind of the new thing so I love that I really like having I think it's important to have women um represented in games as protagonists because yeah, like we all have our own story. We're all the protagonists of our own story. And so it's important that that's shown as the reality because like for half the world, it is the reality. And um, I really like having someone to like look up to. I really looked up to Aloy. I really looked up to Commander Shepard. I looked up to a lot of women characters or characters that could be chosen as women. Um and it it's inspiring to me especially last of us part two i realized like this is a game about women with women problems and women situations and i loved seeing that it was so refreshing to have that absolutely yeah oh i should put you should put up that comment i'm gonna show it because actually i was going to say that almost exact same thing (laughs) right um yeah, representation really does matter. And I also think it's great, too, to be able to see them, like, even just, like, I'm going to talk about clothing options, even. Yes! <laughs> Fashion is the end game. Yeah, it's so great to, to see, like, more and more characters. Like, I have to say, Aloy's outfits in Horizon Zero Dawn are, like, my favorite thing. <laughs> yes. So good. Like, seriously, like, she, you can kind of wear some outfits that might, you know, you know, be a little bit more fun but you can also wear like awesome armor and it just all just looks amazing like Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's great (laughs) i feel like when it's respectfully done it's Mm -hmm. amazing and just like a game changer you can tell that a woman put some thought to that you know kind (laughs) of helped with the fashion choices we're not going to get into gta (laughs) (laughs) there was was one game i'm not gonna mention it for controversy's sake (laughs) for people who might love it but I, I immediately quit the game as soon as I realized how the women's bodies and armor was presented because I was like, 
obviously they did not consult a woman this is purely a man's game yeah, and yeah. i was like i'm sorry but i'm done i can't play this anymore just <laughs> broke my heart he's <laughs> like i want to wear normal armor and look cool mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. oh. Sorry, <laughs> clicking buttons. As a cosplayer, it can uh, it can be really frustrating sometimes when you look at certain video games and you just can clearly tell that the artists have one probably never seen a woman in their entire <laughs> life, and two, you realize that they because they're not using like women directors in some of these games, like art directors. I mean, like these characters' designs yeah. are just absurd, like. That's not what we look like. (laughs) (laughs) But I do like that a lot of video games are becoming more realistic in what they do. Um, And that with the representation, it's not just in um, representing realistic women, but like diverse women, you know, like in Overwatch, they have women from all over the world. They have uh, women with all sorts of different backstories, whether they're a scientist or Yes, yeah, yes. I have so many I, I'm actually wearing a Tracer shirt. Yes. Um, the fact that they're having like uh, non-binary and LGBTQ people in these video games now, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. And Overwatch is such a great example of that diversity and that like beautiful diversity. Like you can, mm-hmm. it just like really celebrates a variety of types of people. And that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I agree, and I could talk about this all night. We do have to end it. We have to go to our next panel. Um, real quick, we had about $60 donated this panel. That's super awesome. We have, um, for raffle, we have a Mercy print and a Little Sister Big Daddy nice. print, as well as a Twisted Sugar gift card, which is where my drink is. So I'm going to draw that really quick. And the winner for that is can can the same person win multiple times i mean if you buy multiple tickets then you can't <laughs> it's angel williams so yay facebook yeah thank everyone for thank you so much for donating and um thank you guys for participating so thank you um, good night everyone Thanks. two more panels coming up tonight yeah sure to watch thanks they're guys. gonna be great <laughs> good job guys <laughs>